0: good morning. morning. Merry Christmas. Christmas. Ho, ho, ho. That's great. That's great. Hey, uh, it's a great privilege uh, for me to be with you this morning. I've got some dear friends that live up here in this part of the country that uh, it's always a delight when I get to come back and spend some time with them. And this is a a real joy to me to be able to come and uh, share from the scriptures this morning uh, with you. and I look forward to uh, getting to know many of you, I hope, in a personal way, uh, over the uh, especially in '9. Um, you know, I uh, am going to talk about a particular scripture today that deals with this whole issue of really upside-down kingdom. And you think about what God has to say when we're living in a by sight in a culture that is video that comes at me with a thousand different images every day, contrary to what the Scriptures have to say here. And we find that the way I have is I give. You know, you want to be great, you become a servant. You really want to find the depth of the meaning of the. Destiny of your life, you got to lose it. And so, this particular passage that we're going to look at this morning, this is uh, really for the family. And uh, what I mean by that, I know in a group this size, there are some of you that are kind of still in the process of uh, trying to figure out who this Jesus is. And I uh, want you to know that what I'm going to talk about this morning has nothing to do with how you come into a relationship with the God of the universe. But hopefully there will be some things that I can say that the Spirit of God may manifest that will strike a chord to the loveliness of who Christ is and that in some way you will see that He is the true lover of your soul. But everything about becoming a Christian just simply is its free. Uh, Christ paid it all. It's all been done. All you have to do is look to Jesus and receive the free gift of eternal life. So I hope on your journey that maybe what we share uh, will move you along that line, and even this morning there may be some of you that may say yes to Christ. But the thing that we're really looking at uh, is for us that are in the family to make sure that we uh, leave here with an attitude of the heart that is simply yes, Lord, no matter what. I think most of us uh, that are informed would understand that the church is really struggling in America. All the stats and the statistics that, uh, that you see and that you read uh, are very disheartening. Uh, I am convinced that uh, talking about a descriptive analysis of what the problems are uh, in the church of Christ is, is, will never break status quo. What we need is to be shocked anew with the redeeming love of Jesus Christ. There's so many different pressures that come at us and and, and 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 pull at us. It's so easy, even though we start out with great meaning and, and great zeal, to lose our sense of awe and our sense of wonder of who Jesus is. I uh, know I have to fight my own heart sometimes to make sure that As Jesus does not become a functional Jesus that uh, I've got my ticket to heaven. I know he's more than that, but yet (laughs) I have a hard time, you know, relating. And and sometimes this Jesus will just become a doctrine or or, or just a concept. Uh, He wants to be much more than that. We know every alternative to Jesus has broken down, is breaking down, and will break down. And so I hope with the compass to kind of get us back to really true north a little bit uh, you know this morning and I think the best way uh, uh, to start off we're going to look at a passage that kind of gives us that path which is a very difficult passage but I think if we understand the context that Jesus would like for us to unpack this uh, passage this morning I want you to think of it Jesus walked in here this morning Uh, And he is. And I think if he walked in here this morning that he would come up to every person who has said yes to him. And he would put his hands on your shoulders. And he would grin from ear to ear. And he would look deep within your eyes. And he would pierce your soul to the core. And he would say, John, I'm about to give you the best advice that I can give for all eternity. Are you ready? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm ready Lord Jesus. Are you sure you're ready? Yeah. John, follow me no matter what. Is that it, John. Follow me, no matter what. Now, there's a passage of scripture that we're going to springboard off of that tells us how we start down that path. This passage of scripture. If I don't understand that, and the one who just said, follow me no matter what, is the only true lover of my soul. This passage will be very threatening and very disturbing. But yet, if you and I leave here after we take communion at the end of the service with an attitude of yes, Lord, no matter what, whatever that looks like. I guarantee you, when it comes your time to die, you would have lived the way you wished you would have lived when it comes your time to die. What's that passage? Jesus tells us in Mark chapter 8, verse 34, Then he called the crowd to him along with his disciples and said, if anyone come, come after me, He must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whoever wants to lose, whoever wants to find his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake and for the sake of the gospel shall find it. I think this scripture that I want to unpack here, whoever loses his life for my sake and the sake of the gospel will find it involves three things i think it involves in telling us how to live in the right way you lose your life you find it it tells us how to live with the right value my sake and it tells us how to live with the right cause for the sake of the gospel And let's look at that. God has created you and I, brothers and sisters, with a DNA, believer or unbeliever, he's created all mankind, that that I've got to justify my existence. No person was created to live in vain. Why do I exist? Everybody in life Believer and unbeliever will ultimately come to a point on the basis that that is my identity. That is what gives me a sense of worth, a sense of meaning, a sense of importance. My existence gives significance. And whatever you define as that which will give you your significance and your worth and your value as a person, you will move toward that. Throughout your lifetime, with the decisions that you make, it'll either be someone or something or some cause. Now, sin for the believer, men and women, is not necessarily doing bad things, although sin is doing bad things. Sin, for the most part, of you and I in this room, is trying to find our identity. That which gives us ultimate value, worth, and importance in something other than the person of Christ and the purposes of Christ. It is trying to find a substitute for my DNA as a new creation in Christ that will give me a sense of worth and value that is apart for my namesake or the sake of the gospel. I think Romans... Uh, 1 kind of nails this. Romans 1 makes a statement in which he says, uh, they exchanged the truth of God for a lie. And they serve the creation more than the creator. Now that's okay for the unbeliever. If you're here this morning and you're outside of Christ, <laughs> your identity, your sense of meaning and purpose has got to come from the creation But where we get in trouble as believers is where we as believers, we ignore the truth that Jesus says will set us free, my sake and the sake of the gospel. And we begin to embrace the lie and trying to find our sense of meaning and purpose in the creation. And therefore, I can't tell you how many people are in the last couple of years, uh, I mean, good people, people in good churches that love the Lord. Successful guys, moral, ethical, committed to their family will come up to me and say, okay, John, there's got to be more to the Christian life than what we're experiencing. And I says, there is. There's his presence and there's his power. But I only have it when I pursue his person and his purposes. And so it's okay for the unbeliever to go there. Now, he says that I'm to live my life for the sake of the gospel. Everybody's got that DNA that I've got to live for something. I've got to have a cause. Most people that you're around them 10 minutes, you know, if you've met them, and within 10 minutes they're talking about that which defines them. And many of these causes, the the causes are not wrong in and of themselves. A mother, a mother's identity can be her children. Everything about her existence as a Christian, if one of her child's really mess, oh, man, she's destroyed as a person, a man's work. Our work can become our sense of identity. Guys like me that are in the ministry, ministry can become a sense of identity. You play the same game in the ministry realm as you play in the corporate realm. Well, how big are you? Well, you know, how many people do you have at your service? Well, we've grown 20% in the last. It's the same game. When I begin to believe the lie and try to find my ultimate definition that defines me in the creation rather than the creator. Now, Victor Franco was a guy who survived a, a Nazi prison camp. A world-renowned psychiatrist, and, and uh, he went on to write a book called In Search of Meaning. And he makes this statement. He says, a person only finds true meaning to the extent that they give themselves to something beyond themselves and to a cause greater than themselves. That's right, believer or unbeliever. you got to live that way. I remember when we were operating behind the Iron Curtain and it was was up, and, and, and we'd go in there, and we'd engage these young Marxists, and, 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 and boy, I mean, they were, they were inflamed, and, and, and they would say, advance the cause, imperialism and capitalism is dead, and it would inflame their mind, and they would give everything that they have to their own personal life to advance the cause of Marxism. You see guys that walk around, and they blow themselves up today for the, for the cause of Islam. You see mothers that say, oh, I'm glad my son was a martyr. That gives her her sense of identity. You go down to Cuba today, and you walk into Havana, and, and on, the, on, uh, on the, one of the main buildings down there, it says socialism or death. It had to give them a purpose to live for, to give them sense a sense of worth and value as it relates to it. You know, I was, sitting on a, uh, I was sitting on a plane not long ago. And uh, this woman, she was about 81, uh, sharp as a tack. She was a biochemist. Her pedigree, I mean, she had, she, she had federal judges in her family all around and, and uh, some that uh, uh, I can't remember what she said at one time. were on the Supreme Court or, or so forth. But anyway, we, we, we finally get around to, uh, you know, the gospel and go through that. I go through the gospel and such and such. She said, I can't understand. You talk about God becoming a man. I mean, it just doesn't register to me. Let me tell you about my cause. 81 years old, and she says, I hope I get arrested one more time for my cause. 81. And she began said, well, tell me about your cause. Animal activist. She was passionate about it. That's what gave her a sense of purpose. And then she's probably a very wealthy woman, and she'll probably leave her whole estate to that particular purpose on it. There was an article in the paper. Not long ago, we're all familiar with Lance uh, Armstrong, you know, Tour de France and so forth. He says the same thing. He's an unbeliever. He says, I don't have anything against organized religion per se. We all have a need for something in our lives. My bike gives me my identity. My illness and my children will be purposes and causes forever. And I need that, rightly so. He's got to justify his existence. In and out in Russia and all that time during the period of time, I picked this up in an article of the Moscow Times. This woman said, listen to this. Things were better in Stalin's time. Even though we didn't have any freedom, we had something to live for. We had a cause today. We had nothing to live for. No hope. (laughs) You know, you uh, step back from that. Even in the business world. John Scully, I remember John Scully, he was uh, on his book, you know, he was CEO of PepsiCo and Steve Jobs was trying to get him to leave uh, PepsiCo to come and run Apple when Apple was still kind of in the garage and, 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 and they were having a meeting in New York uh, at the, uh, up in the penthouse and Scully saying, look, I mean, you know, I'm making two million bucks a year I got a penthouse. I got all these perks. I got such and such. He said, "You know, I might be interested in doing this if you would set a slush fund up for me over here, and maybe uh, you know, three, four million bucks. And if this thing doesn't work out, I've got kind of a slush fund. I'd go back." He said. Steve Jobs walked up to him and said, "You mean to tell me you're going to spend the rest of your life making sugar water when you can come and change the world?" Scully said change the world. It's like a fist in his gut. I could come and have an identity that would have an impact on it. It's in their DNA. You know what our model is? Our model is the Apostle Paul. He clearly demonstrates what Jesus is talking about for my sake and the sake of the gospel being our identity on it. Paul comes along and he makes an incredible statement in Philippians chapter 1. He says, my earnest desire and expectation that in nothing I will be put to shame, but in everything, whether by life or by death, Christ will be magnified in and through me. Bingo. For me to live as Christ and to die as gain. And, what, and, and, and when the Holy Spirit says, under in the inspiration of Paul, follow me as I follow Christ. Imitate me as I imitate Christ. I wouldn't stand up here and say, don't follow me. Man, I'm in this race just like you. I need you guys desperately to get to the finish line. But under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, the Scriptures tell us that God is saying Paul's your model. He wasn't perfect. He had the flesh. He needed a Redeemer just like us. And it wasn't that all of you got to become church planters just like Paul. That's not what he's saying. He's saying no matter what his circumstances were, his motivation was to reflect and magnify the person of Christ and the sake of Christ. And so Paul could come along, and, and, and uh, he'd say, for me to live as Christ and to die is gain. And, and, and so they okay, Paul, we're going to kill you. Well, no problem. Go ahead and take me out. Me to die is gain. Well, we don't like that attitude. I'll tell you what we're going to do. We're going to let you live. <laughs> Fantastic. Me to live is Christ. I get to go and get to share and talk about redeeming love. We don't like that attitude. I'll tell you what we're going to do, Paul. We're going to beat you up. We're going to take all your assets away. We're going to put you in chains, and we're going to make your life miserable. No problem. My light momentary affliction is not worthy to be compared for those who know Christ Jesus. It not make any difference what you do with me. Now, most of us will never be able to say whether I live or whether I die. We work, I, I, I work with people like that. Yahya, who heads up on our work, our work in Iran, came to me about, yeah, about two years ago. And he came to me, he said, John, he said, I feel like I've got two years to live, but if you give me the tools and equip me, I'll get our work going in Iran. Moved his whole family in there. Person becomes a Christian in Iran, automatic execution. we got six churches started the last year. You and I will never be probably put in it, whether I live or whether I die, but do you know what our context for the sake of Christ and the sake of the name should be? Whether I succeed or whether I fail whether I have fame or whether I have anonymity, whether I have riches or whether I have poverty, whether I have good circumstances or bad circumstances, whether I have good health or bad health, doesn't make any difference. I had a friend of mine that uh, was on a flight that was telling me about, about the stewardess. The stewardess, you know, it's one of those flights, everybody's ticked off, it's late, and everybody's grumpy and such and such. And, 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 and this stewardess just said, yes, uh, being very kind and very gracious. And, and, and he, he, uh, Howard said, Man, I was amazed I was watching the stewardess. And these people just barking, just acting like, you know what, uh, and uh, he finally went up. He said, you know what? He said, I'd like, I'd like to have your name. I'd like to write Delta Airlines and just tell them how refreshing you are and how fortunate Delta is to have you fly for Delta. She said, oh, sir, I don't fly for Delta Airlines. I fly for Jesus Christ. <laughs> Bingo. That's why of the mother mothers for the cause of Christ. The teacher teaches for the cause of Christ. The CEO leads for the cause of Christ. The doctor doctors for the cause of Christ. The yard man mows for the cause of Christ. The carpenter bills for the cause of Christ. Why? Because when the world wants to see what a person looks like whose identity is the person of Christ and the gospel of Christ, he wants them to look at you. What does a mother look like that's got three screaming kids around her pulling at her? How would Christ respond? He wants them to look at you. How does a CEO, when he's in the midst of a and the financial needs and the such and such, is in a crisis of whether just to kind of move just a little bit, everybody else does it? How does Jesus Christ respond? That's why. It's a cause. Our cause is the person of Christ and the sake of the gospel. Now, you know, I need to tell you up front you live like this, some people will think you're crazy. They might even call you a fool, but somewhere along the line, you've got to determine what you want on your tombstone, a fool or disobedient ridden, and this is what we're called to. Peter Marshall, I, I think, really nailed it when he said, I had rather fail in that which will ultimately succeed, the cause of Christ, than to succeed in that which will ultimately fail, my identity anywhere else. Second point, living for the right values. My sake. You know, this is, folks, if this is not about Jesus, you're building on sin. He who loses his life for my sake finds it. Now, I've got to have a pretty good understanding about my view of God here. You know, most of your pain and your sorrow and our struggles in life, you know where it comes from? It comes from having a wrong view of God. Sometimes I think that, you know, I've got a, maybe some a few good little things in me and I take those good things and I ratchet them up to the nth degree, and I see some really good thing, virtues, and I take those and I mix them, I ratch those up, you know, to the nth degree, and, and, and I kind of mix them all together. And I, Well, that's my view of God. <laughs> Reminds me of trying to look through a keyhole and describe the universe. Wh- wh- where do I come along? I've got to look at who's saying that to me. Is, it, is, is this Jesus is he somebody that is really insecure within himself? Is, it, is, is, is this God that I'm following that would, would make an audacious statement like that to me? Is he just trying to get a bunch of us to kind of kneel and bow before him and, 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 and the angels will applaud him more and he'll have a sense of esteem and, and, and self-worth? Is that our God? Our God doesn't need anything. Every time He opens His mouth in Scripture, it is for our good. He will never ask us to give up anything unless He intends us to give up something better. And unless I buy into this, unless I know the joy and the peace I so yearn for that is deep within my soul, it's okay. I have to find security. I have to find my significant. The problem is when I go someplace other than where God tells me to go. That's why as a Christian I live with my cup only half full and I'm just like the unbeliever. I've got to go from one temporary fix to another temporary fix to another temporary fix. I think uh, John Piper nailed this pretty good when he's talking about God's desire, God's deepest commitment to be glorified, and my deepest longing to be satisfied are not in conflict, but in fact found in simultaneous consummation when we glorify God. When Jesus says, for my sake, may you lose your life for my sake, what he's trying to do is to say, John, I want you to learn to value me more than you value yourself. I'm telling you, there's an adventure that awaits you if you could have me as the preeminence of your life and my glory and my sake more than you pursuing your little dinky little dreams down here. I stand ready to leverage your life in a way you have no idea of. And so what's the Christian life? The Christian life is learning to embrace God's values over my cultural values. When they come in conflict with one another. The way I do this is that I have to understand the premise of value. And the premise of value is that I will not give up that which I value unless I believe that I am giving it up to that which I value more. I will not give up this life and that which I seek after for the life to come And Jesus' values, unless I believe that is a greater value. And even though there may be a temporary sacrifice that is involved here, there's always long-term blessing. Where if I buy in to find my life, there's always maybe a temporary fix, a temporary high, but always long-term consequences. You know, there's there's a couple of Jesus's out there. And they got different values. There's a Jesus of culture and there's a Jesus of Scripture. And the Jesus of culture that we get all of the images from and the such and such, he says, "Uh, you know, it's okay. Uh, You you know, to kind of get along, you kind of got to go along with it. Jesus said, (laughs) except you take up your cross and follow me. Man, (laughs) you're not really going to get to experience what I want to do in and through your life. We say, well, you know, you can have the best of the world and, and, and you know, the best of God. And, and as Scripture says, you know, a uh, double-minded person's unstable. Uh, you're no good to the world because I live in you and I'm restraining you from, from really being released. And you're no good to the kingdom because uh, you're pursuing everything other than me. C.S. Lewis, I think, brings balance to this when he says, Pursue God, you find happiness. Pursue happiness, you find neither. He says, if you seek first things first, the second things are thrown in. But if you seek the second things first, you lose not only the second things, but the first things. What he's saying there is (laughs) chase after Jesus, my sake and the sake of the gospel. I was reading this morning. uh, in the Psalms, and the Psalm make this statement: in Psalms, uh, what was it, eighty-four? Great statement. I mean, yeah. he said, "I, it is better, one. Uh, how how'd it go?" He said, "One day in your presence is better than a thousand years elsewhere." What is that? That's a value decision. And then he goes on and says, "I had rather be a doorkeeper in the house of the Lord." And dwell in the mansions of the wicked, wow, value you look at all through here i was uh, I, I saw that and, and and then I turned over and I, I looked in uh, the book of Philippians. I got to thinking about uh, Paul here and, and and Paul makes this statement about, about value Paul. Paul, Paul says, hey, I was born to the right family, I went to the right school, I was a member of the right synagogue, I was very moral, I was very ethical. I was, I, those things are not wrong in and of themselves. It's where I find my identity there, rather than other than the persons of Christ. As I pursue Christ, Christ throws in a lot of those things for some of us. Some of us, he doesn't. But then Paul, as he saw this he, this, he made this statement. He said, but whatever was to my profit, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. That's what he's talking about. I think Moses nails this. This is a great passage. Hebrews 11. Look in this passage. Now here's a guy that made a decision by faith. And Hebrews 11 tells us, by faith, Moses, when he had grown up, he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh. He could have been the most powerful man upon the face of the earth. He chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than to enjoy the pleasure of sin for a short time. One translation says, rather than enjoying the riches of Egypt. And then it says, because he looked not at the immediate, he looked at the ultimate reward. Are you telling me, Moses, that you made a decision that you were going with the person of Christ over and above the riches of Egypt? He said, yeah. What did he do? He did it by faith. You know, the biggest tension that I have on a daily basis when my desire for my values come in conflict with my obedience with Jesus, I am constantly struggling in my own heart with the question, what do I value more than I value my obedience to Christ? And that's what this is. Jesus says, unless you know me, unless you know the redeeming love that I'm trying to shock your heart with, you will never go in the adventure that I wish to take you on as it relates to what this passage is trying to say. But oh, if we ever get a glimpse of the one who's saying, "Mazel, trust me. I think from Genesis to revelations, you can sum up the Bible with two statements. Trust me, I love you. And if we ever put those two together, the greatest honor that we can save when Jesus says, follow me no matter what, is that, you know, I don't know where I'm going. I don't think I got a lot to offer, but I want you to know I'm going to fight To put my heart in such a place that I say, Yes, Lord, no matter what. Now you direct the course. And now God says, Now I got my man, and now I got my woman, and now I can begin to leverage you on a journey and adventure that you have no idea of. So, the third, living in the right way. Very simple. I got to live for the right cause and I got to live for the right value if I'm going to live in the right way. And you know how I live here? This is a faith message. You've got a thousand images a day, and I do too, that come at me that contradict what I'm saying to you. My emotions, my feeler, my culture, I got signals coming all day long that what. You're crazy to live like that. And I've got a God that says, oh, that you would honor me by trusting me. And if you don't honor me by trusting me, it's a suicidal assault on what I wanted to do with your destiny while you're on planet Earth. And because I love you, John, let me tell you what else I'm going to do. I'm going to... passionately pursue your stupidity until you come to the point where you really see the only reason I ask you to lose your life for my sake and the sake of the gospel is to give you something and accomplish something in it that you have no idea for. But you've got to trust me. The Bible says <laughs> without faith it is impossible to please God. Now, 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 most of you probably know that word, but, but listen to this. Without faith, it's impossible, impossible to please God. And so, since faith involves risk, and risk is usually a scenario in which all the odds are against me, I tell, I tell God this. I say, look, God, I, you, know, I, you know, I'm really glad you're my Savior. And, uh, you know, I want you to know you make this statement. And, and, but, I, you know, I just don't know if I could really, you know, sign up for, for what you're asking me to do. So I tell you what I'll do, God. Instead of going to two Bible studies a week, I'll go to four Bible studies a week. God says, John, it's impossible to please me unless you trust me and you pay me the greatest dishonor that you could possibly pay me when you do not trust me and you pay me the greatest honor in all of the cosmos when you say, I don't understand, but I do know you can be trusted and I want you to know that I'm all in for it. You know why we don't go here, brothers and sisters? You know what the core is? It's fear. Fear. I fear that if I step up like this, there may be rejection, fear of rejection, fear of failure, fear of singleness, fear of uh, my retirement fund might be used, fear of just-in-case accounts uh, being depleted, uh, fear of death, fear, 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 fear. fear. And you know what we fear at its core? You know what the root is of all those things that that we identify with when we talk about rejection and failure and such and such? At its core, my greatest fear is that I think if I say this to him and I get all in, God's going to ask me to give up something that I think is really important to make me happy. My whole life has said, if I could only have this. Or when I get to this. And I fear... That if I sign up and I say, I'm all in, that God's going to take something away from me that I deem to be really important to make me happy. And God says, oh, John, oh, John, don't you know my love for you? I can't ask you to do anything except that which is redeeming love. I, I, you know... uh, Will you trust me? And you know what the core of this issue is? You see, when I find my life, you know what it is? I'm in control. I can do a better job, God, of making my, me happy, I think, better than you. And I just kind of assume to kind of let me get along, go along, and yeah, I've got my ticket in heaven, and, and I, I, I'm content by it. when I say okay yes Lord I don't know what it looks like but I'm all in I lose control and I don't know if I can handle that because when I'm when I lose control he's the boss he's the one that does the leading but let me give you I think the best motivation I can give you for going, (laughs) living in the right way and living with the right value and living for the right cause. You know what the greatest consequence if you don't go there, brothers and sisters? You know what the consequence is if you continue to pursue your life and your dreams and your importance and everything that you want to? You know what the consequence of that is? Consequence is you never get to see what God would have done if you would have said, yes, I'm all in. Abraham, you know, you were, you were pretty settled in that city. And God said, get up and get out. And you said, ask God, hey, uh, well, where am I going? Don't worry about where you're going. Just get up and get out. Well, uh, you know, I, we need to have a plan. Abraham, just get up and get out. Okay. Okay. Uh, see, Abraham won't Abe, hey, where are you going? I, I don't know where I'm going. You, you got a job? Uh I don't even have a job. You don't know where you're going? And you don't have a job? Uh, what are you doing that for? Uh, God told me. Abraham. Come here a minute. One interview. Abe. Was it worth it, what you did? Oh, John, John, was it worth it? Oh, when I left, he, he pointed up there at the stars, and he says, that's what's going to be the impact of it. My line, was it worth it? Hey, Moses, uh, come here come here now moses you made a decision because you said you valued the reproaches of christ disgrace of jesus identifying with him that you valued that more than you did all of that wealth just think if you had had all that wealth all that you could have done with it and you did it you could have been a pharaoh moses well just one on one thing was it worth it moses John, oh, was it worth it? Oh, Paul, is it, is it, is it, is it really true it was rubbish for the value of knowing Christ Jesus for his sake and the sake of the gospel? Oh, John, oh, John. Eyes have not seen, nor ears heard, nor are entered into the hearts of men. The things that he wishes to do with a bunch of nobodies like us. What if we really, what if we really believed that the inadequacy and the sense of over being overwhelmed were the very qualifications that God was looking for? What if we, what if we really believe that I gave up my life? There's an adventure. There's a plan. There's a destiny. That in no way, I have no idea. God says, "Will you trust me?" You know what this message boils down to? This message boils down to one simple thing the depth of your faith that you really believe that Jesus loves you and must seek your highest good will determine the degree that you will surrender to him and be willing to die to self. That's it in a nutshell. Is there a cost involved? I, I I don't I don't know what your cost is. Usually there's a cost. Remember the father? Hey father, I I think you I think you said you spared not your own son. Seems like there was a kind of a cost to the Father to set this up. You know the cost to Jesus? You know why Jesus hung there displaying his love for you? You know why he hung there? Jesus, come on down. Show us a trick. Come on. You just do a trick. You do a trick, and, and, and then we'll believe that you're God. You know why he stood on the cross? He stayed up there on the cross because he simply said this I love you more than I love myself. And the father said, I'm willing to send my son to hell that you might experience redeeming love. Which of us would send our children to hell for a Bin Laden? That's, that's the one that makes these statements to us. That's the one that just is looking for the answer. Yes, Lord, no matter what, I, I, I got to quit. I'm going too long. Uh, we're going to do communion. Remember, we got a sandwich here. we got the, we got one side of it where Jesus came in, and he says, I'm going to give you the best advice. All I want you to do is to follow me no matter what. And we've talked about living in the right way, living with the right values, and living with the right cause. Now, the only thing that you got to do when you take communion and you take that bread And you take that blood, you got a decision to make. God will hold you accountable for this message. You weren't accountable before you walked. We are accountable. I am accountable. You know what God asked me when I was preparing this message? said he said are you sure you want to get this message because I'm most accountable oh redeeming love can you imagine what God would do to a bunch of nobodies like this that simply said hey we're all in, to leverage you in this city and in this nation and around the world with the message of reconciliation. Uh, Bless you. Thanks for allowing me to share with you this week. We've got a.